Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Pursuing your future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge, especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Road. Today, you guys get to hear from Kay Popofsky-Kramer. Did I say it right, Kay? You certainly did. I'm so glad. And Kay is the founder of the Step Up Women's Network, which she is going to unpack with you guys today. So Kay, just tell us a little bit about the mission of Step Up Women's Network. Step Up is really a mentorship nonprofit, and mentorship is the core value and what all of our programs are built around. Currently, the organization provides structure for girls and those who identify with girlhood to define their ideal destination and path, whatever that may be. You talk about that messaging now. Go back to how many years ago did you launch Step Up? So I'm very proud to say that we are about to reach our 25th anniversary this fall. Makes me feel very old, but very proud. Yeah. And what it really means to me is that the key to the success of this organization is the fact that a woman's network where membership is at its core for the members, run by the members, driven by the members is central for the female experience. And it's not an outdated concept. It's not a concept that will ever get outdated. Mm. When I launched Step Up, it was 1998-1997. And my inspiration was my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. And at the time, I was a talent agent. And I had increasingly felt like my life was sort of stuck between the front page and the back page of the Hollywood Reporter. And I wanted to do more. And I wanted to give back. I grew up with a real code of ethics. 
you learned and you serve. When my mother got sick, an idea crystallized for me that I wanted to raise money for women's health because I had all this incredible access to talent and people in media who really had the ability to to wield powerful messages. So that's how Step Up started. Uh, And I reached out to all the young women I knew in Los Angeles, which was quite a few because I was a talent agent in a major agency. And we started meeting on weekends at my house. And it was very, it was very genderized at the time. Like the men went and played ball. And we met at my house and we created Step Up, the name from the J. Crew catalog. Step Up for Fall Fashion, I think, was the inspiration. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's how we began. And we began by talking about what was important to us, what we wanted to do. My mother was the inspiration, but there were many women that cancer had already touched. The early years were really raising money for women's health. And at the same time, the, the concept of mentorship and mentoring each other and the idea of the more you give, the more you get was central. And we also expanded into developing professional development programs for one another and ran a lot of sort of film and TV symposiums. So those were their early years. And then over the years, as we grew to New York and Chicago and our model changed and we had more and more board members, because we didn't have staff, it was really driven by all these professional women who ran these boards and the decisions of how our mission uh, and our programs developed were in the hands of the members. And again, I think another key to the longevity of the organization. And over time, the, the raising money for women's health became focused on the future of women and girls. And while the physical health piece was always important, we were young in our late 20s, early 30s. We didn't have the kind of resources that more established women had to raise real dollars for breast cancer and other health issues. So we started focusing more on mental health and programmatic pieces and really mentoring the next generation. Mm -hmm. And that is really sort of where we are today is connecting professional women with young girls and girls who identify in the female space and helping them define their path, whatever that may be. Thank you, first of all, for sharing all of that. And it is not lost on me that what began as something that was inspired by your mother connecting women who were both junior in their profession in in a particular field, mentored by women that were slightly older or slightly more advanced in their career, has now come to be where you're reaching down to the younger women, down meaning in age. And it's very funny to me that you have morphed in that. Like you started out in this space at this age, and now you've sort of flipped it all around and are serving this younger audience and to your point to the future. But all of it has circled around this idea of this community of women dictating what Step Up could be and expanding Step Up to what it is now. You had the vision and you allowed it to be somewhat elastic and it took on the shape that it needed to take. That's a true testament to your ability to hold on loosely. I don't know a lot of founders who could do that. Yeah. Thank you for noting that. You know, it's really interesting because I intuitively, I knew that if this was going to be institutionalized, it couldn't rely on me. And maybe it's because even though there were many people, including the woman that, you know, connected us, Tracy Fleming, who were super committed and worked so hard, the fundraising relied on me and my connections and my relationships. And the more I realized that that was central, the more I realized I had to find a way to step back if this was going to be real. And the other thing that I really knew was that 
it's not interesting or compelling for people to do things that they don't have ownership in, especially when they're volunteering. So these women, the early 10 years where the organization was truly just run by volunteers, there were real jobs on top of their jobs. Yeah. So it wasn't for me to dictate, this is what it has to be. It had to be a collaborative. And that was the point. The point was coming together, having a consensus, working together, making decisions. So I learned that lesson really fast. And I held on to that lesson. And it was definitely a process, but it was very much part of the plan. Once I realized year two or year three, when I sat back and I said, wow, this is a real thing. If this is going to be sustainable, this is about me finding a way to get it funded enough that it can have a life of its own and be be run by other women. I mean, we've had four or five incredible CEOs. Tracy was our first. The woman right now blows my mind, Dolores Morton. I hope you have her as a guest. She downsized the organization appropriately as we hit the pandemic and reimagined it in a way that I only dreamt of. And we're now international. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. There are so many incredible organizations out there that do great work, but there is something really special about Step Up. And the women get involved, come back years later, because there is something intangible about this connection. So I found out about Step Up I want to tell you it was 99 or 2000. I was early. I was in New York and they had a step-ups coming to New York. It was like a, a brunch or something. I was there. Yeah. We didn't meet then. We, we met years later. But I don't remember the woman. She was an adorable, younger than me by maybe five years, blonde woman in the kind of TV media space. And she was the one who had reached out and invited me and all the other people that were there. And it was very much this mentoring opportunity. And there was this give back component. Fast forward to, I think, 2011, maybe. I have you on a panel speaking as the founder of Step Up Women's Network. And at that point, you were having massive fundraising events with the who's who of female celebrities getting up, talking about their involvement, uh, their commitment to step up. And what struck me is I've also known Liz Dennery. And then of course you mentioned Tracy, people who've been involved with step up to this day, mention it when they're talking about their sort of resume of accomplishments. They still talk about their affiliation. Whatever you did to create that ownership all these years later, people are still hanging on to it. And I have to believe it's because you stepped aside as the founder to make it a collective. The foresight you had and the lack of ego and the humility you had is, I think, what probably set you apart. Yeah. I mean, I'm like that to this day. I'm very much behind the scenes. And um, I mean, there was a lot of puppeteering behind the scenes. Yeah, Tracy used to tease me. We used to talk in the early days that there were like two of us and a bunch of actors, you know, and we were doing everything. But it was just really clear to me. I just wanted it to work. That was always the most important thing to me. And it's still the more important thing to me. With my current CEOs, I mean, through the time, it was a process of sort of peeling back. As people ran it, different CEOs needed different support for me. But I'm always very clear with it. Like, I'm here to serve. And currently I serve on the national board. I have an emeritus position as founder. I've run the national board before. I've sat on subcommittees. But the the way I, I really work with the CEOs is I'm here to serve. What do you need me to do? 
all my philanthropy personally goes to Step Up. We fund Step mm-hmm. Up, my husband and I. He's incredible about supporting the organization. I'm tasked with different things, you know, talking to the board, communicating messages. There used to be a lot of PR requests for me. I back off because it really should be the CEO who's currently running mm-hmm. Step Up front and center because they're the person on the front lines. And I do what's asked of me. And I weigh in where I'm wanted, but I'm very aware of that line of being a founder and sitting on a CEO's back. And I don't ever cross it. I've never had a CEO feel like I am doing that. Where did you learn that from? Especially if you go back 25 years, how did you, as a young woman, understand that you needed to be an integral part of it, but that you needed to do this in parallel, in tandem, in concert with another person and other people. That seems very mature. I mean, I definitely was not very mature. (laughs) You know, I just think some of us are born with certain skill sets and I have a skill set in terms of people and understanding the way to build organizations. I mean, it's really being a producer. Yeah. I produced a bunch of people into an organization and like literally produced it. And I think it's just a natural skill set for me. And In the very beginning, the first eight or 10 years when I was very immature, there were a lot of mistakes made and people's toes, I'm sure I stepped on and people I frustrated because I was just trying to get the job done. But once things really started moving in the right direction, I was able to take the risk and step back and know it was an okay risk to make. But we're talking 25 years now. So the first 10 years was a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure in that 10 years, there were a lot of lessons learned. And when you are working with the last, call it two CEOs, how do you walk the line of, I don't agree with the direction they're taking my baby, the thing that I built, or it doesn't matter if I agree or not, I've already put it in their hands. That would be hard for me, I'm projecting, but how do you do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the current CEO, I haven't had really anything that I haven't disagreed with. The last one was here for 10 years and it was a real growth period. So yes, there were times, I'm so honest, you know, and she would take my opinion and sometimes listen and sometimes not. And I have to respect it because it's her job. Um, But always very respectful of my opinion and what I think is appropriate. So my feelings, thoughts, perspective always there. Certainly neither do things the way I would 100% do them, but that's what it is. They are running the organization. That is their full-time job and you have to respect it. Yeah, You have to. It would not be appropriate for me to step in and run the organization nor what I want to. It would not be well run. Right. I have too much like emotional capital invested in it and I'm too old and I'm too tired. <laughs> it's a huge job. <laughs> It is a ton of people managing. I mean, yeah. it's also, we have employees that have worked there for 15 years. You know, we have a lot of young people cycling through. It's a family. So I just learned to be very respectful. Yeah. How about your connection to notable people who have really helped early on anyway to cast a light on this? They kind of were the megaphones to talk about Step Up. A lot of that was, those were your personal connections. Those were people that you brought in to the Step Up world. How does that work? Are you still the PR person behind the scenes? Are you still puppeteering on that end? Not as much. I mean, yes, the first first 10 years were 100% all me and I was gregarious and pretty out there. And also for whatever reason, got promoted very fast at an agency. So by the time I was 23, 24, I was a talent agent in a major agency. I knew everybody. And women who wanted to support it, I mean, it was right. People wanted to. I mean, I went to London, I remember, 
right after I started Step Up and I saw Eve Ensler's vagina monologues and mm-hmm. I convinced her to come to LA. And I told her I could raise the money and produce a celebrity version for her. And I did. And that really put Step Up on the map. That way. And then she brought the play here after. So there was a lot of hustling. And then when I started to step aside, a lot of that kind of went by the wayside for a couple of years. The organization's focus went away from sort of celebrity mouthpiecing. It was mm-hmm. a little harder to come by. It also became the trend. So if you talk to someone like Michelle Kidley, who started sort of philanthropy and entertainment, she's really known for that. And now is the woman behind the scenes at CAA mm-hmm. uh, doing everything. She really created a culture of philanthropy in LA and Step Up was a huge part of it. And she would tell you that. I was the first person who connected that model of taking my relationships and finding a way to sponsor them. And then everybody was doing it. By the mm-hmm. mid-2000s, everybody was doing it. And we were a professional women's organization and we remain that way. There are other organizations who are not member-based that are not rooted in women who work. Those organizations can do it a little better. They can pay the celebrities. They've got women who traffic in celebrities. That's their focus. It was not ours. So yes, I still every year for the Inspiration Awards and for certain things would reach out to my old roommates, my old friends, my old associates to talk about celebrities that can still support, that could still be a mouthpiece. Now it's influencers. So there still is an element to what I do. Um, We just are working with a fabulous company called The A-List, which I reconnected to Step Up recently that works with celebrities and branding. There has been a directional change in trying to increase that somewhat just because we do such great work, we want to get the message out. Sure. Um, So certainly I'm still behind the scenes, but that is also a piece that I'm trying to continually transition um, so that it becomes more institutionalized without me. But yes, that has been a role that I've still played over the last 15 years. My guess is celebrities are looking for these opportunities. They're looking for not just from a, let me put my name on something that's meaningful. I want to be an actor plus, right? I want to have this philanthropic sort of muscle flexed. But also I think they're in earnest looking for something that they can get behind, right? I think it comes in all shapes and sizes, as does the membership. Like I remember in the early years, I remember we threw great parties. That's how we raised money. Uh And I remember thinking, I don't care why this person is doing this as long as they're doing it and they're getting something out of it and they're giving back. And honestly, I feel the same way about celebrities or anybody with a voice. I think there are some that are really motivated because they want to contribute. And then there's some that are motivated for other reasons and that's okay. Because for the bottom line of Step Up, it's moving the needle. It's advancing the cause. Totally. Yeah. So talk a bit about, I mean, we know you didn't have nonprofit background before. Oh my God, nothing. So talk about that, like going from the world you were in to establishing this completely different world that didn't operate in the same way. How was that? We have a listener base that's trying to figure out they're all in midlife and they're trying to figure out what, what next, what do I do next? Yeah. Yeah. So it was a long time ago, but basically I was a talent agent, which meant that I had no real professional training <laughs> because that's what the entertainment industry is. And then I went into a nonprofit industry where I had no professional training. Um, and I made a lot of mistakes, but I, I spent a lot of time in the early years educating myself, going to nonprofit meetings, symposiums, lectures, whatever I could find and then finding good people around me as soon as I could afford it. I've had like 11 careers, I joke. I've done so many things since. I'm really a trial by error person. My personality is I just like to problem solve. I like to figure things out. 
Step up is one of a couple of things I've done where I just barreled forward without putting a real plan in place. Um, it worked because I was young. I, I don't know that I would do that now. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would move forward with a business idea. First of all, step up was an accident. It was something I was doing on the side and then it developed into what it was because the idea was so welcomed and needed and um, the community so craved. I've had other businesses where I had no plan and I just figured it out as I went. And I do think that there's a fine line between doing that and having too much of a plan. But I recommend more of a plan for sure. (laughs) That'll be our takeaway. More of a plan. Have more of a plan. Yeah. When you talk about that nugget that, you know, you didn't intend for Step Up to be what it is now. Again, I'm in the mind of the listener thinking, okay, she's trying to figure out, well, what was that? Was it awareness around breast cancer or was it the mentorship? Was it the community for those women? I mean, I think... People were drawn to it for all different reasons. And for many, many years, one of the big mistakes the organization made was we tried to be all things to all people. We had mentorship development. We had fundraising. We had health Mm. symposiums. We were doing everything until we attracted a large member base. Um, And then over time, we had to peel it down. So I'm going to say it was all of it, but probably largely the community. You knew when you saw that being an important draw for people, it's like, okay, we have to keep that piece somehow intact, even as we evolve into focusing on building out the future and the next generation of women. Yeah. I mean, the network piece of it kind of fizzled a little over a period of like seven or eight years and Dolores really brought it back. Mm -hmm. I mean, like any business, you know, it ebbs and it flows depending on who's leading it and where the resources are going and what we're doing. We were much more focused for a while in the after-school classes for the teens and a confidence curriculum that we created and making sure that they had the tools to apply to college. Um, Then we were about the community. And then we realized when the after school program model, while it was incredibly high touch, it wasn't realistic in this world we live in coming out of the pandemic. So it's broader. We are a little more high reach, a little less high touch. So that's been a shift. And we've really dialed back up networking, the connecting between members. And we've also added another leg, which is it was sort of middle school and high school kids for a very long time. But now we're looking at these step up kids who go to college, Mm -hmm. what happens after they graduate? Like who's going to support them? And that was like a real big thing for me was what's that next step. And Dolores has realized that. And that's a real focus is a step up pipeline so that these women, you know, or people can graduate college and then get into a pipeline and still get that mentorship. It's the next leg of the journey. And if the network is intact, then the network, it brings those two kind of loose ends together. together. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Exactly. But definitely the business lesson in the first 10 to 15 years was you can't do everything. Sure. You just can't. And you need a plan. And you need a plan. Our two takeaways. Yeah. You've talked about what you're doing now versus what you were doing back then. What's been kind of your sweet spot? What area would you say, if I could just do this one thing within Step Up, it would be this? Well, I mean, I don't love doing the wrangling of celebrities, but I will always do it. Yeah. The areas that I'm involved in are fundraising always. As a person, I enjoy sort of the strategic partnerships mm-hmm. and putting those programs together, but it's not something I'm very involved in. I will bring partners together, but I don't hammer out the deals. But I'm very good at that. I'm very good at connecting the dots to step up and coming up with ways that we can expand our mission and our message and our programs with partners. I mean, those are sort of the three main ways. It strikes me that you've taken, even though it's been through Step Up, much of it, because it's 25 years old, 
but also your career prior to that. And you found ways to morph all of this into kind of, you know, your calling or your secret sauce. Like there's this through line that you've brought from media, celebrity, film, TV world um, into this. And it sort of remains, even though you're not doing the same work that you were doing 25 years ago. As our listeners are thinking about what do I take from my past and bring into my current situation, right? What's your advice? Do you advise people to like, yeah, reach into your your network and your resources and bring that in with you? Or are you sometimes bringing baggage with you too? And you have to be careful of that. I mean, it's sort of a complicated question. Like for me, the through line is I love helping people. I mean, that's why I became an agent and I like connecting the dots, whatever that may be. Yeah. So I think you always bring your resources with you. I mean, okay, I had an event for my son, his bar mitzvah the other night, and I had adults there from all 20, you know, I've been in LA almost 30 years. And it was like a giant reunion for everyone because I collect my people. You just never know when your life is going to cross again, when there will be something new to mine, especially because we live in a world where people constantly reinvent themselves. Yeah. I mean, I understand wanting to leave certain things in the past and I have had those experiences too, but even those tend to kind of right-size themselves over time. I also think that as we step into our future, whatever that is, as midlife women, and you said earlier, I'm too tired for this. And yet you keep doing these things that are supporting and giving life and breath to the organization. So the I'm too tired is I'm too tired to do it in a way that perhaps I had done it before. Yes, 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 yes. But I'm still able to, and I still have so much to give in this current space in my life. You also talked about all the lessons you learned and you said, but that's because I was young and you wouldn't do it that way today. So what's your advice for a woman who is in your similar stage in life, who does want to start a nonprofit? She's not too tired. She's ready to kind of go for it starting now. What would you say to her, maybe a cautionary tale of, hey, really think before you do that. One thing you've already said is like, doesn't have to be a full-fledged plan, but it does need to be a plan. So in this space, there's so many incredible organizations doing great work. And I think the first thing you need to do if you want to start a nonprofit is see, is there someone else doing what you want to do? Because sometimes it's valuable to go to an existing organization and say, hey, I want to contribute. I want to be a part of this, as opposed to being duplicative. And then no one gets anything done. I think that resources are spread so thin. If you are going to start one, you have to make sure you have a differentiating factor for fundraising and for mission. I mean, it's critical. Uh, and Step Up did. That was always the thing. We, we were different. We were the young group of women here. No one had ever done it. It just didn't exist. I mean, literally did not exist. We were before all of it. You have to be really clear with your messaging and your communication when you start your plan. So if you're hell-bent on starting your own organization and not collaborating, get your mission straight and get your messaging straight. So people actually understand what you're doing. I mean, really until like eight years ago, we were all over the place. People would come to Step Up events and say, wait a minute, what does Step Up do? I mean, it was very confusing for a very long time. People just loved the organization, even though still didn't really get what we did. And you would talk to a number of different members and they would all say it in a different way and say different things. And I think that you just have to be really, really clear in what you're trying to accomplish. 
And then you have to look at your strategy. You've got to break it down. You've got to think, am I privately funding? How am I actually going to build my revenue stream? And I think those are sort of the, those are the, the real steps. Yeah. I'm in the middle of doing a seed round for all the things Liberty Road is to become. Right. And it's tough. I cannot imagine doing this all the time. And when you're running a nonprofit, you are raising money all the time. It's all you do. Yeah. And so, I mean, one, you're getting better at it. You're flexing that muscle over and over and over. So you become more able to lift heavier weight, literally, but it's, it's no joke. And I've heard this as a consultant. I think I'll just be a nonprofit. I'm like, Whoa. Yeah. People don't care. Hang on. Yeah. This is not an easier way from A to B. This is a very different way and it requires a different set of skills. Be careful that you don't confuse what it means to be a nonprofit and why, you know, what is the point? Does the mission lend itself to that? A hundred percent. And that's why I say also to really be careful about whether there are people out there already doing it, that you could uplevel their work and go to them. Because I do think that there's, it's all necessary and it's all important, but some of the resources could be streamlined and and more positive work would get done. I want to kind of piggyback on that because I think a lot of people at this stage in life are really concerned with their time, flexibility. They want more freedom. They don't want to be held to something. By you saying, partner with somebody, find a mission or an organization you can get behind and collaborate with them doesn't necessarily mean you are going to work nine to five for that person. One thing, maybe they have a part-time opportunity, but another thing, maybe you bring a very specific expertise to that mission and you can be hired as a freelancer. So you can create something that gives you some autonomy, but you're not reinventing the wheel altogether. Right. Have you found that that's how you've hired people, CEO aside maybe, that you have gone out and looked for experts that can bring their 10,000 hours into the step-up world? Or do you pretty much hire people as you know full-time employees? So I don't do the hiring. I haven't done it okay. in a thousand years. But it was always skill-based, you know, and when we put together boards, when you put together any board, and I've sat on many boards, it's all about what different different skill sets you need. And I think that that process is really important. Now, what's interesting about Step Up is that we've had employees completely morph and change. And the organization, because it's mentoring central, career development is central too. So, and I think that's also just part of company culture now is really making sure that your employees are able to pursue their professional development. Um, and Step Up takes that really seriously. And I take that seriously because that is mentoring. It's very meta of you <laughs> to look at both what you're trying to accomplish and then how you accomplish yeah. it in that same yeah. way. So I know that you have twins that are seniors and you have a sophomore? A seventh grader. A seventh grader. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Don't age him. It's me that has the rising <laughs> sophomore. You know, you're life's going to change a little bit in the next couple of years. What's next for Kay? What do you imagine? What do you see on the horizon for yourself? Yeah, I definitely need to get back at it. One thing I did like right before the pandemic was sign up for a career coaching program certification at Columbia. I call it my fake master's degree because it is a <laughs> fake master's degree. Um, and it, it actually went through the pandemic because we got I made, which was great. It was 
really interesting to be in school again in a way. I mean, it wasn't heavy school, but yeah. I had to write papers. I mean, it was really interesting to do that. And it was global. So, you know, we met once in person, all of us for a week, people from all around the world. It went, ended up going for like a year and a half and it was supposed to be eight months. And, you know, I joke that I could career coach myself. So I need to do that. Uh, I think for me personally, I've done so many things. I really could go in so many different directions. Mm -hmm. In the past, I would sort of put it out there that I wanted to do something. Something would present itself um, and I would barrel forward. And I'm not sure that I would do that at this point in time. I also have a different balancing act where with where I am in my life. Uh, with my priorities on health and family, but definitely I need to get back at it. Yeah, you know I did what most people do at, at my stage in life. Most people want to start a nonprofit. I flipped it. I already did that, right? And I'm never going to start another nonprofit because I'm never going to dilute what I do for Step Up. So mm. I've sat on boards of schools. I support you know my alma mater, Tufts. I do all those things, but I don't think that I would go into nonprofit. I could potentially, you know help someone give away their money, one of those jobs, maybe, but anything that is programmatic, and it just wouldn't be an option. So I don't know. I've been a startup girl. I'm very clear that I don't want to be the one with the idea. Yeah, I'm happy to be second or third or fourth, you know, behind the scenes. I could always yeah. dip back into entertainment. I don't know. I haven't had okay. the bandwidth to really focus yet, but I'm going to have to. Well, I'm going to call you later. I have some ideas. Yay! I would love that. It would be fun to chat about. So you took that course at Columbia. You and I have had this conversation. Yeah. You took that at Columbia, not because you wanted to be a coach, but because you were interested in what? What motivated that? Someone told me I should go be a coach. <laughs> okay. And you're like, let me try this out. Let me check it out. And I totally could do that. That is something I could do. Yeah. But I could see that actually. But I think the way that I would approach it is really working for companies and helping people up level their experience. I don't know that I would necessarily want to pursue individual clients. Yeah. I don't know what that would look like. I did definitely did a lot of training hours with people, a lot of my friends. So it's definitely on the table. My husband is like, why aren't you just doing that? Because I don't know if that's what I want to do. So, yeah. but the skills that I learned are key and they will go with me with whatever I do. Sure. And I think a lot of coaching people that I know that have been really successful are people that are obviously great listeners, but I think they know how to ask questions. Yeah that help people to find the answers within themselves, within their life, within whatever it is, whether it's life coaching, professional coaching, whatever. Yeah. And professional is very different than life. People get them very yeah, confused. Very different. Very different. I agree. If you were professional coaching, somebody who came to you and said, okay, I have a great idea for a nonprofit. No one else is doing it. So you wouldn't give her the advice to go support this other organization. What would you ask her about herself to see if she's a right fit to be a founder of a nonprofit? That is a really tough question. I think you know it, though. I think you know the answers. I'm trying to merge your experience with the work that you did as a coach. I mean, are you willing to make no money? <laughs> I mean, that's a big thing. That's a good question. Yeah. yeah. Are you willing to put every personal and professional relationship and resource in front of you? Because that's what you're going to need to get this off the ground. Mm. Do you have a couple people already that will support you? Do you have pro bono legal because you have to get yourself set up right and you have to get your books set up right? And if your books aren't set up right, it's a huge problem. Yeah. Do you have the stamina and the drive to work 24-7 for many, many years? Because that's what it takes. Those are great questions. I think that our listeners can ask themselves. And I think it's a way to not say, okay, 
if you can't say yes to all of those things, you shouldn't be supporting this, whatever this thing you're passionate about is. It's how you support it. Go be an influencer on Instagram and talk about it all the time. Go point people in the direction of other organizations that are doing this kind of work. Blog about it. You know, there are other things that you can do, but you might not want to be the founder of a nonprofit organization. And so I think I want people to hear, it doesn't mean you don't have something to offer. It just may mean that this isn't the right thing. I mean, it all rests on you. There's a huge accountability factor. You are taking people's money and saying you are doing X with it to provide a service for why. And you have to be able to draw the dots. You have to be able to say, this is what I did and this is the result. And if you're not prepared to have that responsibility and ownership, it's not for you. Well, as I have said many times as a consultant, this is as much about figuring out what you do want to do and what you have the skill set to do as what you don't want to do and what you don't have the skill set to do. A hundred percent. Both are a huge value. Tell us real quick, how can our listener get involved in Step Up? Go to suwn.org. It's all laid out. Send a message saying you heard me on Liberty Road. You want to get involved. Um, I mean, I'm reachable. Anyone can reach out to me through Step Up, but it's all there. And any program person will capture your inquiry and get you engaged. Awesome. We'll make sure to link in the show notes to step up. Thank you. Of course. And thank you, Kay. Thanks for hanging out with us and kind of sharing your journey. But before I let you go, we have our fast five questions. Oh, tricky. What's what's a daily practice that you do to keep you grounded? I like to work out. So I, I was a cardio bar girl for years. I do Pilates. So some form of exercise or I walk my dog. Have to. Have to move my body. Every day. Pretty much every day. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Even if it's a dog walk every day. I'm sure the dog appreciates it. Yeah. And what are you currently reading right now? That is a good question. I'm currently reading The Late Comer by Jean Humph Korolitz and then Demon Copperhead. Awesome. We'll link that into the show notes. How do you unwind and relax? What does Kay do to chill out? I like really bad TV. I like like Mm. any spy thriller. Are you watching The Diplomat? It's not bad. It's Oh, good. that one was good. But I like I like a bad one or a good one. Okay. Any, you'll take I like all to it. just sit there and I like to sit with my computer and just do busy work and zone yeah. out on the TV while I eat a big bowl of fruit every night that I try and get my husband to bring me if he's in a good mood. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Well, hopefully he'll hear this podcast and know that that's one of the things he can do this Mother's right. Day. And what would you want the 25-year-old Kay who was plugging away at this, you know, industry in Hollywood, didn't know what her future would look like, was having great success early on? What would you want to say to her about midlife? I mean, it's just that youth is wasted on the the young, right? Hmm. I mean, don't worry so much. You're going to work hard and it's all going to work out. And I think a really big lesson I've learned is to Take five minutes before responding to any email or phone call that doesn't hit you the right way. Or take an hour, like put it down, go back to it the next day. Not everything has to be handled immediately. You're going to get a much better result with yourself if you take a beat, however long that beat is. That's a real lesson I had to learn over time. Oh, that's a great takeaway. And we've never heard anything like that. Yeah. You really like, I guess it all comes down to not being so reactionary. Yeah. I was very reactionary and it definitely worked for me, but it would have worked better for me Yeah, had I been less so. You know that this is Liberty Road. So of course we have to ask, how has launching 25 years of Step Up Women's Network 
all the work that you've done, all the roles that you've played within it, how has that liberated you as a woman? Oh my gosh. I mean, it's so empowering to be able to know that it's possible to work as a collective, to be a community, to move things forward, to actually have positive change over a single life. When I think about not only the young women we've helped, I think about the members and, mm. and so many people will tell you that Step Up has totally changed their life. And that's like overwhelming to me. And in many ways, I wish I could go back and work there full time. Like I feel like my life would be so fulfilled and complete if I could. I just can't. Yeah. I just know it's not the right thing. Just the fact that like I've had any influence over someone else's trajectory is is very mind blowing. Yeah. And from the early lessons that you had in your own life, it, it sounds like your family of origin of learn and serve. Yeah. You started out saying in this podcast to the work that you can look back on and see the impact that you've had, the impact that the organization has had. You've been liberated and you've liberated many people in the yeah. process. And I forget it all the time until I have a conversation. Well, I'm glad that we had this conversation then. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Absolutely, Kate. It was great to see you. Great to hear your voice. It's a pleasure. I am going to circle back because okay. I have some ideas. Great. I'll take them. And Liberty listeners, thanks for hanging out with Kay and with me. And we will connect you to Step Up Women's Network and the books that Kay recommended in the show notes. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye for now. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and more. If you like what you've heard, please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcast and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to move into your middle third with intention. Liberty Road is created by executive producer Netta Jones, supervising producer Elizabeth Windham, producer Julia Windham, and music by Jack Jones. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% 
10% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.